Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. Worried about saving too little too late for retirement? The Wealth Accelerator may be exactly what you need. With the help of some of the oldest and most reliable insurance companies in the country, Wealth Accelerator allows you to take most of the upside of any good year in the stock market and use bank loans to magnify those returns significantly. And what if the stock market has a bad year? No need to fear. Wealth Accelerator is engineered so you don't participate in the losses of the market, no matter how bad of a year it is. Sounds too good to be true, right? But it's not. It's simply the same financial engineering that the ultra-wealthy have been doing for years. Now it's your turn. Check it out for yourself by going to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. And Happy New Year to everyone out there. Uh, it has been a very, very big and productive year at uh, Wealth Formula. And I'm hoping you're enjoying the show. This is really the first uh, completion of the first full year of the show. And I think it's been quite successful had some phenomenal people on the show, great following. You know, we've got the fantastic investor and credit investor group. It's only going to get better, ladies and gentlemen. So again, Happy New Year. And with that, let's get started. So the first and foremost, again, drawing your attention to wealthformula.com. Make sure to go there and check it out. There's lots of resources on there for you, whether it's signing up for the weekly wealth widget or you know, getting a free copy of my book, Seven Secrets of Eternal Wealth, which is, uh, or it was, an Amazon bestseller. And now it's there for you to simply download for free as a PDF. And uh, you can also do that simply by texting me as well. All you have to do is text 44222 and type in Wealth Formula. That's one word, Wealth Formula. Again, that's 44222 Wealth Formula, and you can get a copy of Seven Secrets of Eternal Wealth. As far as today's show, this is a special one. So, you know, one of the interesting things about getting older is that you have the ability to look back and tell a story about yourself, effectively, to create a narrative about the moments and the people that, for better or for worse, forever changed the course of your life. You know, I remember the day I decided to become a doctor. I remember the day I met my wife. I remember my wife and I looking at a positive pregnancy test together that eventually became my oldest daughter. 
I mean, these are just like moments. They were like pivoting moments and they became my future, right? A lot of times these things that kind of happen in fleeting moments don't seem that significant. But over time, you realize how quickly on a day-to-day basis, little things happen that end up making an enormous impact, enormous on the direction of your future. Can you think of something like that in your life? I bet you can. So one of these moments for me came on uh, the way back from my honeymoon in Puerto Vallarta. Now, my wife and I got married the day after I graduated from residency, and this was in uh, July of 2008. And uh, as soon as we got married, the next day we left for Mexico. And uh, after, I think it was a week or two, I can't even remember. But on the way back, I remember I was looking for something to read on the plane. I was in the airport. You know, it was a dingy bookstore. You know how those Mexican um, airports, they kind of, you know, it's it's really any third world airport, actually. They always have that sort of dingy smell about them. Well, there was a little bookstore. There wasn't much in there. I was just looking for a little, you know, something to read. And it was mostly full of romance novels. You know, the pictures of the guy with the long hair and, you know, waving in the, in the, in the breeze and that kind of thing. I wasn't really interested in that. The only book that sounded remotely interesting was a purple book called The Cash Flow Quadrant. Now, I didn't know anything about money at the time, but I knew... I was finally going to start making some after years as a broke surgical resident. So I decided, hey, why not learn something? Pretty soon I'm going to not be living sort of, you know, just paycheck to paycheck. So I bought the book. And at that moment, I had no idea that making that decision to buy the book in this third world airport would forever, forever changed the course of my life. I'm not exaggerating, folks. I don't know how to make this sound more impactful than it was. My identity at that time was as an academic surgeon. I had made my mark by success in academics, writing academic papers and book chapters, etc. The only financial education I had in my life was a macroeconomics class that I took in the last quarter of my senior year of college just to meet a requirement, and I took it pass-fail so I could do the bare minimum. Listen, you know, one of the gripes that we have sometimes uh, as high-paid professionals, physicians, lawyers, whatever, we, we don't get financial education. Well, listen, I didn't even want financial education. I had no interest in money and no interest in investing You know, like many doctors, like many medical students, like many, you know, other professionals out there who are uh, training for a craft that they think is noble or worthy of, 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 of their brain power. I thought of money as dirty and something that people with manners didn't talk about. Does that sound familiar? I bet it does, particularly for those of you in the health field. I mean, I don't know. It's like a taboo topic for doctors in particular. Like, money's dirty. Like, we can't talk about money. We shouldn't talk about money. We shouldn't talk about reimbursement. We shouldn't talk about this stuff. 
Anyway, I was completely brainwashed. I was like those guys. And I fundamentally didn't understand what it meant to be an entrepreneur. I mean, I didn't understand what it meant, you know, I, 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 the idea of just being a creative person who creates your own enterprise, your own industry, it, it didn't even occur to me, you know, much less consider whether or not I would like to be an entrepreneur myself. I mean, I, you have to actually understand what the concept is before you can put yourself in the game, right? So I, I was way behind on this. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that reading the cash flow quadrant had no less effect on me than being struck by lightning. I mean, seriously, after all, who am I now? So if I think about this and just try to, you know, I, I wrote this down really quickly. Who am I? I'm an entrepreneur. I am an investor. I am a financial educator. I am a husband and father to three little girls. I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan, and we're going to the Super Bowl. I am a board-certified surgeon who doesn't practice anymore. So this is my stream of thought when I honestly ask myself who I am today, and that's the order it comes into my mind, right? And so, you know, I was 34 years old when I finished my surgical training, and this was a culmination of my formal education. Thousands upon thousands of hours of study and long hours in the hospital. You know, this was before the 80-hour work week. I, I remember working like 120 hours when I was a neurosurgery intern. And all of this time, all of this energy went in to create this identity for myself of a surgeon. And now it's number six on my list. Number six. And to be clear, the only thing I regret about this list is that I didn't get to this point quicker. You know, I just think about this. We all grow up with talents, right? And many of many of which we'll never know. I mean, you know, think about it this way. If you're a hockey fan, you know who Wayne Gretzky is, right? The greatest hockey player who ever lived. But what if Wayne Gretzky grew up in sub-Saharan Africa? He would never see ice. What would he have done? Would he have just been an above average, um, you know, whatever they're playing in, in, in you know, sub-Saharan Africa, maybe soccer or something like that? You know, it is a true gift to be able to find your true calling and have the ability to go for it. And sometimes, just like the fact that Gretzky was born in Canada, Sometimes it just takes a little bit of luck. Now, I'm no Gretzky in anything, really. But for me, this was a moment of luck because I stumbled upon the work of Robert Kiyosaki and he introduced me to something that I'm very good at. And that really, for me, was a calling in life. And having him on Wealth Formula Podcast today, for me, represents a really momentous milestone in my journey. So when we come back, please indulge me as I interview the man whose work more than anyone else in the world has guided me to where I am today, Mr. Robert Kiyosaki. Hey, it's Buck Joffrey. You know how I feel about the stock market. So what would it take for me to invest in the S&P 500? Well, you'd have to minimize fees. You'd have to give me most of the upside of the market and none of the downside. That's right. I don't like losing money. 
You'd have to let me leverage my gains so that I could amplify my returns, and you'd have to let my money grow tax-free. Think I'm crazy, right? Guess what? I found a strategy that does exactly this and more. It's called Velocity Plus, and it's available to you if you make at least $100,000 per year. To learn more about this life-changing and mind-boggling strategy, go to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Uh, today, my guest, well, he needs little introduction. He is a prolific financial author whose work includes the number one personal finance book of all time, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and his most recent book, Why the Rich Are Getting Richer. His words have inspired a generation of entrepreneurs, including me, and for that, I couldn't be more grateful. So it is with great honor that I welcome Robert Kiyosaki to Wealth Formula Podcast. Welcome, Robert. Well, thank you, doctor. <laughs> it's nice to nice to have you on this show, and and it's funny that you're calling me a doctor, but I appreciate it. I guess uh, I guess uh, some people still do. <laughs> but <laughs> Robert, the uh, the latest book, fantastic as usual. I think you described it as you know sort of the graduate version of Rich Dad Poor Dad, and it's why the rich are getting richer, and it addresses some really important issues in our world right now. And one of those problems, I think, is is the widening wealth gap between the rich and poor. Can you explain to my audience, how is our educational system contributing to the problem rather than making it better? Well, that's a great question. That's kind of my, uh, they call it shtick. (laughs) (laughs) I've been, I've been, I've been ranting and raving on this for much of my adult life. Anyway, uh, there's many reasons the rich are getting richer and the poor middle class get poor. So that's not just one. But one of the ones I followed is the, uh, in 1971, President Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard. And I didn't really know about it until 1972. I was a pilot flying in Vietnam. And my rich dad sent me a letter while I was on board the aircraft carrier. And he says, watch out, the world's going to change. And I really had no idea what he was talking about, you know, like 25, 26 years old. And so I went looking for gold because, you know, back then, the 70s, it was illegal for Americans to own gold. So that was kind of where the light started to go on in my head. And today I realize our school system is still pre-1971. Our school system stuck in the industrial age. And as you know, we've, we've gone past the information age. And now we're in the knowledge age. And what I mean by that is we have got to keep updating our knowledge on probably a daily basis right now because things are changing so fast. But our school teachers, you know, most of them are stuck on, you know, with the Neanderthal. Right, right. (laughs) And and when they took dollar off the gold standard, there was a thing called, you know, they call it quantitative easing today. And all this very simply in simple terms. They print money. So that's why if you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, lesson number one is the most important lesson, which most people miss, is the rich don't work for money. Mm-hmm. Because today, money is no longer money. It's technically a fiat currency. But worse than that, a fiat currency's purpose is to make those that work for it poorer. In other words, when you work for the U.S. dollar or the yuan or the peso or the yen, you're actually getting poorer, right? not richer, because it's fake. 
So that's why I keep saying I'm saying what I'm doing. So the people, as you know, that are being crushed are those that actually work for money. And, you know, doctors, lawyers, uh, accountants, dentists are all trapped in that trap. Yeah, yeah. Now, the concern about the shrinking middle class, you know, I've, I've heard you talk about this. And, and, the, and, and the interesting thing about that is that, you know, it's not just coming from the left, right? People think, well, it's just Bernie Sanders, and he's the only one who cares about this issue. But really, it's coming from everywhere. I mean, the Cook brothers, I've heard them talking about it. Uh, I think Mohammed Al-Aryan was talking a little bit about this on your show. Why is the socioeconomic problem of the shrinking middle class and this disparity, why is it a problem for everyone? It's a simple word, social unrest. I think we're, you know, that's, you look at how, um, I don't know how to say it, how much chaos and violence are inside the system today. And it was Steve Forbes who said it. You know, like when money was gold, you could trust gold. But today when money is fake, who do you trust? And today we trust, you know, those fake news, fake teachers, fake assets, fake money. And and this uncertainty you know, I'm sure eats at the psyche of people who know something is wrong, but they don't know what is wrong. And so that's why I always refer back to 1971, and our school teachers are still preparing kids for 1965 or Happy Days, you know, with right. Ron Howard. <laughs> right, right, right. But I've always found it sort of curious that, you know, the educational system, is, as you've mentioned before, you know, it, its roots are really in a pr- the Prussian system, right? This uh, industrial revolution uh, model where it's almost like a kid goes from one, you know, <laughs> one place to another and gets a little bit of education dropped onto it and then down the conveyor belt to the next. Now, why do you think that that system... Is there something that's keeping that system from changing, even despite its sort of potential, I guess, irrelevance or lack of uh, connection with modern society? Well, if you look at who's running the Fed today, you know, I mean, they aren't bankers. They're school teachers. Right. Janet Yellen's a school teacher. Ben Bernanke's a school teacher. And Alan Greenspan's a liar. Right. And he's the guy, and he was the guy, or he flip-flopped, should I say. Greenspan was very much into the you know, the hard money guy, the Austrian School of Economics. And he was he was into our monetary, our, our currency should be backed by something stable. And he's the one that helped, to, you know, he just perpetuated the printing of money. And so today we have these school teachers. And as you know, most school teachers are like my poor dad. They may be nice people, but they're not smart people financially. You know, most of them have always had a paycheck. And when you're a person who is working for money, you don't have a pension, you don't have any savings anymore, and these academic types with their PhDs are trying to run the world, and the problem with an academic, they can't admit they've made a mistake. Yeah. And so they've destroyed our world in the last probably 20, you know, 15, 20 years. So the, the U.S. dollar, you know, according to who do you talk to, is going to crash. You know, no fiat currency has ever survived. The U.S. dollar has lost 95% of its value since, you know, 1971. And still parents say to kids, go to school, get a job, work for money, and save money. Are you nuts? Right. Are you nuts? Why would you save something when the 
Federal Reserve Bank, which is not really a bank and it's not federal, is printing money. And on top of that, you know, you go back in history, as I always talk about, in 1913, the Fed was created, but also 1913 was the start of the Internal Revenue Service. Because if you understand money, money does not exist without debt and taxes. In other words, you have to print money using debt, the U.S. dollar's debt, but to pay for it back, you have to suck taxes out of those who work for money, the working class. So this gap gets bigger and bigger and bigger, or a person like myself and Donald Trump, we don't pay any taxes legally. So that's what why the rich is getting richer about. It's really about debt and taxes because in 1971, the U.S. dollar became debt. And the only way they can pay for that is with taxes. So the working class, anybody like you, doc, if you're working, you know, you're a surgeon and you're working for money, you're being screwed. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, one of the things that you said, too, is that part of the issue is that these people, you know, it's like smart people who are running the Fed, right? They're people who have done extremely well in school. I mean, they're all, you know, MIT grads, et cetera. And so there's a certain hubris that almost prevents them from sort of seeing sort of the realities of, of, of the economy and perpetuates the problem in a way. Is, do you think that's fair? I would say that's absolutely fair. I don't think they even know, you know, like I was listening to James Records, and he said, they asked Janet Yellen, I mean, does Janet Yellen even know that she's created the biggest, she and Bernanke have created the biggest stock market bubble in history? And his friend says no, because they don't, they're not investors, they're employees. Right. You know, they they don't have any idea. Yellen, Bernanke, um, this next guy they're going to hire. Yeah. They're academic employee types. The the thing about the smart people issue, I mean, we I have, you know, on this show, there's a lot of smart people listening. And this is one of the challenges, I think, you know, not people who are, are I think, listening to this show because I talk, I you know, I, I – you know, I have drank the Kool-Aid, the Kiyosaki Kool-Aid, so to speak. And I, you know, I, I feel like I was blind at one point. And I, I can see. And the people who listen to this are the same way. But it's incredibly difficult to convince most doctors, most lawyers, most CPAs that there's this other way to look at the world, a way other way to look, look at uh, money. Because I think what happens is that we're so used to being very, very good at school that we think we know everything. And part of what part of the problem there is we only know what we're taught, right? And Correct. we're just being so we're just used to being so good at being smart, quote unquote, smart and learning what we're taught that we we don't think that there's a possibility that we're wrong. And and we don't think about the possibility that conventional wisdom is wrong. Correct. Well, right. it's just, a, you know, different points of view, different mindsets. Right. You know, like I, I am a professional investor, you know, from the inside. I don't buy stocks, bonds, mutual funds and ETFs because I don't have to. Right. You know, because those are for that's what I call those things retail assets. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like going to Walmart and buying a stock or a bond or some, you know, I, I just don't have to do that. But right. I'd rather be an insider investor. If you played my cash flow game, those are those guys on the fast track of the board game. And everybody else is trapped in the rat race, buying stocks, bonds, mutual funds, you know, getting out of debt, investing for the long term in the stock market and working harder and harder. 
only to move into a higher tax bracket, which yeah. is nuts. <laughs> right, and right. Then they save, and then they save money. Oh, my God. Why would you save it when they printed, I don't know how many trillions. I hear so many different numbers about how many trillions of dollars they printed. And I, I sit there and I go, you went to college? You should get a refund. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Absolutely. So if you could redesign the public school system today, what would it look like? Uh, I'd, you know, I'd probably fire everybody, but that wouldn't be optimal. <laughs> right, I, I don't, sure. I don't know. You'd have to almost start what in as, as an entrepreneur, because I've been an entrepreneur most of my life. You'd have to start a skunk works, kind of like what Jobs did, or what entrepreneurs did. It's kind of a test program. It's like when Jobs got kicked out of Apple. You know, he he, he created a little another program to do a, a prototype project because Apple was going down the wrong track under Scully. Right. So uh, a lot of times you have to start with prototype programs. And, you know, they're making progress in that area, but they have that Khan Academy and all that stuff. The trouble is they're still teaching the same old garbage that you that has real no value in real life. I mean, it, it's good for getting a job and it's good on your resume. I have a Ph.D. I have this and all this. But you still don't know jack about money. And, right. and it goes back to 1971. And that's why the first lesson in Rich Dad, Poor Dad was number one. The rich don't work for money. Right. You know, I want to work for assets that produce cash flow. That's why Rich Dad taught me playing Monopoly. And that's why we go on the real estate guys cruise where you and I talk all the time and all this. Because I'd rather hang out with guys working for assets rather than somebody who's high income or a movie star with high income or a sports star with making millions. But they have no assets. They have cash. They have savings. They have stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. But I don't touch that stuff. So not that it's good or bad. It's that I don't have to. I have other options. Right, right. So, you know, I've, I've heard you talk, and we've talked, we actually talked a little bit about this uh, uh, on the cruise in April that I, I thought was really interesting. And I asked you then um, kind of, you know, what's your mission and, and, and yours? And it's clearly financial education, right? And that's what you No, care no, about. no. It's to elevate the financial well-being elevate of humanity. The, right. It's funny, you know, our, our company has been, you know, I don't work in my company anymore, but they, it seems they forgot the mission, you know. Right. Sure. And it's, right now we're a tech company. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> well. You know, and, I, and if you know me, I can't even use my cell phone. <laughs> no. So I'm kind of... You know, that's like most entrepreneurs. Once they're out, they're out. They have the company has no use for them. Sure, sure. So, so I, why I is this the outside? Why is this issue? I mean, why why is this issue so important to you? I mean, what drives you? Well, because if you, you listen to Kim and I, both our fa fathers got fired, right, and they lost their jobs. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you something. You know, is my father a PhD, and her father had his master's degree? They couldn't find jobs. This is back in the uh, 70s. And it, it cuts the, um, it like castrates a man, if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. They don't have the high-paying job. They're unemployed. Uh, both men tried to start small businesses. My father bought a small ice cream franchise and lost everything. They just don't have it. If, if, you're, if you train to think like an employee, which is go to school, get a job, and save money, pay your taxes. You can't think like an entrepreneur. Your, your mind's already atrophied. It's got, it's got, you know, calcium deposits. Right. As you would know. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. At some point, yes. Um, it's, got, 
It's called Arthritis of Creative of Creative Mind. Right. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of high paid professionals again, I think really suffer from that because we're so used to uh you know, we're so used to being right that it it's it's and being just to us being right is just getting the right answer. When somebody gives you a test, you get the right answer. And so you have that enough where you almost develop these Pavlovian sort of pathways that make it virtually impossible for you to think out of the box. It's really remarkable to me as an entrepreneur to look around at other, you know, really successful entrepreneurs. I'm I'm almost always on, the only guy in the room with a significant academic pedigree. It's remarkable. Where is this? Yeah. At the real estate guy's cruise? Well, not so much. Well, yeah, I mean, in, in, you know, when I talk about having uh, an advanced degree or a medical degree or, you know, going to an Ivy League school, all this stuff. I mean, the, the guys that I know who are most successful don't have all that stuff, you know, and to well, me. I, I tell you, my my poor dad, you know, he's Stanford, Northwestern, University of Chicago. Right. And when he got fired, it didn't mean anything. Right. Yeah. So that's why, you know, I speak and it's that that's, but the main reason I wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad 20 years ago is I could see this crisis coming, and I could see this crisis coming just because back in 1972, when I was flying off a carrier in Vietnam, you know, my Rich Dad sent me a letter that says Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard, and I had no idea what that meant. He said, "Watch out, the world's going to change," and damn it, has it changed? Right, right. You know, more than more than just gold and money. You know, technologies jumped in, globalizations jumped in. You look at it today, AI is going to replace many doctors and lawyers and accountants. No question. No question. I mean, AI can do a lot more in terms of diagnosis. And if you're looking at it, even in surgery right now with these various robots, robots and things like that, I mean, it's yep. we're just it's just a matter of time. Um, how about in terms of the future here? What are we looking at? I mean, obviously, when we talk about uh, the gold standard in Nixon, uh, the recovery there um, was, I mean, you could, maybe you want to talk that, about that a little bit. I'm, probably not everybody knows about the petrodollar and how that recovered the economy. But eventually, you know, this is going to be an economy that's going to be petrol-free. What happens then? Well, I don't know if it's petrol-free, but what happened after 1971, or came off the gold standard, and then Nixon and Kissinger cut a deal with Saudi Arabia, and we became a petrodollar. And what that meant, if Japan bought oil from Saudi Arabia, it had to trade in dollars, not yen. And it, again, it gave the dollar tremendous hege hegemony, hegemony over the world economy. Right. So today, Russia and China are cutting a deal, and they've already cut it. They're going to trade China's going to buy oil from Russia and pay them in yuan, but the yuan's going to be backed by gold. Yep. So I watch that, I go, Jesus wheezes, you know? Yeah. So I've been, I've been backing up the truck. I mean, there's a time to buy and a time not to buy. And in my opinion, I've been wrong, but I think it's the time to buy gold coins, not gold ETF. I don't buy anything fake. And an e gold ETF like GLD is fake simply because it's not backed by any gold. It's only backed by dollars. You yeah. know, if I sell my ETF, I'm just going to get dollars. I don't get gold. Yeah. So I'm going as hard asset as I can right now. You know, I'm, I'm even uh, buying uh, avocado farms and all that. I'm just getting out of paper. Anything paper and fake or cyber, I'm out. 
Yeah, I can't figure out because I I know what you're talking about with the uh, the essentially a gold back yuan. When that announcement was made, why gold didn't just skyrocket? I mean, I would have thought that would have been the... because they don't want it to. It's all it's all suppressed in the futures and swap markets. Uh huh. And it's basically the rich are buying it. It's called interbank trade. It's not re- retail trade. Have, you know, you know the average person, even Americans. They're not the brightest match in the box when it comes to money. Right, right. And that goes for and, doctors. And school too, teachers especially. are way out there. Right, school right. School teachers aren't, aren't even in the box yeah. of matches. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to money. Right, sure. But, for, but when it comes to labor unions, school teachers are very smart. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's my poor dad. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I want to shift a little bit and just, you know, talk a little bit about you and your, your you know, your career and stuff. I mean, having had so much success in your life, financial, otherwise, when you look back and you say, okay, this is real wealth, what does that mean? I mean, it, I'm not talking about just money, but what does it mean to be really wealthy as a human being? You don't need money. In other words, when you know, the, the, on the 20th, 20th anniversary, I produced three books. One is called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the 20th anniversary edition. The book is the same, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is the same, but what I wrote about was what changed and why I wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad and why almost everything I predicted came true. The second book is called Why the Rich Are Getting Richer, What is Real Financial Education? And the third book is more important than money, it's a team. So what that is saying to everybody is everything they teach you in school actually keeps you poor. Yeah. It's 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 set. You know, you know me. I'm not the brightest match in the box either, but I hang out with some pretty smart guys in my box. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know about that, but I mean, no, but you know, I, we all have different intelligences, sure. and mine definitely wasn't academic. Right. So mine, you know, mine was quite the opposite of you. I was pretty good at uh, machine guns and rockets. Yeah. yeah. That, that was my specialty in Vietnam. You know, I can I can shoot. But they don't have much use for it here in the states. <laughs> yeah, although although I do, I, you know, I do think it's kind of ironic that you know your father being so heavily involved with education. Ultimately, you know, the apple doesn't fall that far from the tree. I mean, you're an educator. You just chose right. to educate right. outside of the uh, of the uh, you know the mainstream sort of educational system, and and fortunately made a little bit more I, I money. Just, I just the education is important, <laughs> right? But you, Education is more important than ever before, but what kind of education? Right, right. You know, I, and I always say there's four types. One is academic, reading, writing, arithmetic. You got to have it. Number two is professional. That's what doctors, lawyers, accountants have. Most people don't have it because they have a bachelor of arts degree. Number three is financial education, which very few people have. And number four is spiritual education. You know, which is I learned at military school. You know, the first lesson I learned at the academy is mission. What is your mission? Then duty, honor, code, respect, courage, and that, and that's not taught in business school because I went, I went for my MBA and I learned nothing, nothing. Right. So is having a mission and being able to carry that out real wealth? Well, I, I think everybody has a gift. You know, that's why I, I kind of chuckle with you every time because, you know, you did you, you're every parent, every Asian parent's dream, right? You became a doctor. <laughs> And, and my mother was a nurse, and she says, why don't you become a doctor? I said, Mom, I'm flunking out of school. Yeah, you know, yeah. I can't even get in. But somehow I got into Naval Academy and all that because I played football. But it, without that, I would probably be without a college degree. You know, Sure. I, I was not accepted. I mean, 
even the University of Hawaii rejected me. Imagine that. <laughs> and I'm from Hawaii. I mean, they take chimpanzees for their graduate <laughs> program. <laughs> you know, the ironic part is, and, 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 and as you mentioned, you know, I'm Asian American background too, and, and South Asian American. And and my mom wanted to, me to be a doctor, but my dad actually, who was a real estate uh, guy, and used to talk about cash flow all the time when I was a kid. And I didn't know what he was talking about. I thought he was, I, did, I thought he was unsophisticated. But he he. Um, he did not want me to go to medical school, and he told me. Yeah, well, well remember then, at yeah. the New Orleans Investment Conference, which just yeah. came back from. Yeah, they had which. Which, by the way, everybody has a chance to go to the New York the the New Orleans Investment Conference. It's once a year in New Orleans, but they had Tucker Carlson, and he's on Fox, and he stood. Did you hear him say? I begged my kids not to go to college. Wow. He says they still go to college. They don't listen to him. But I begged them, please don't go to college because it will mess your brain up. Yeah, yeah. And so more and more of that is coming about because people are realizing the academic system has another agenda, and it's not to educate you. There is another agenda under, you know, like some people say something, but, you know, like when a guy goes up to a woman at the bar and says, may I buy you a drink? <laughs> he doesn't want to buy a drink. He's hoping to get lucky. You know what I mean? Right, right, exactly. That's what I mean by the second, another agenda on the thing. And teachers have another agenda. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's why when I talk to teachers, I'm always looking for their hidden agenda. Yeah, and you know, for my dad, what it was was that you know he was highly educated. He came part of that uh, Indian brain drain back in the '60s, and um, he came as an engineer. And he just ended up buying some real estate, and it was it was sort of like me, frankly, reading Cashflow Quadrant. He had just opened his eyes, and it was you know like he had this little secret that he couldn't get across to me because I was so blind blinded by academia, you know. But but um but yeah, that was kind of the that was his approach, and a lot of people don't believe me because he's like, of course, you're Indian, your dad's probably really happy. No, he's like, I told you so is what he's saying right now. But uh, listen, Robert, before we go, I, I do want to take a chance um, you know, to thank you for what you've done for me and really for millions of people in this country. I mean, I, and I really mean this in that I don't think there's probably anyone in the history of the world who's inspired as many entrepreneurs as you. I really believe that. So thank you for doing that. Um, well, thank you. And it's, and it's, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily do that for that reason, but thank you anyway. Well, it's, it's definitely somebody need to do this, you know, and it's really unbelievable to me at how many incredible successful entrepreneurs I know. You know, now I live in in Montecito, right, where everybody's an entrepreneur because nobody works around here during the day, <laughs> and uh, you know, and and frankly, you know, including myself, and you know, all these people that I know who cite your work as the origin of their success. And, and that must be something that you're really proud of. And I'm just curious, I mean, do you ever think about that? Cause you've, you've got to know the impact that you've made. I, I, I take notice of it and it's nice, but you've seen me enough times now. I, I shy away from that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I don't like being surrounded by people. I'm a very shy person. Yeah. But no. anyway, if, if I could leave it with this, you know, why, why those three books, the 20th anniversary of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it explains why I wrote the book in the first place. The book remains the same. Right. The second thing is why the rich are getting richer. It's how debt and taxes make the rich richer. And then the third book is more important than money. It's important of a team. And it, it's, I think we're going into, you know, I hope I'm wrong, I think we're going into the biggest crash in world history soon. 
Yeah. And that's why the better you're prepared for it, the better off you're going to be. And that's why, you know, like, you know, me, the reason I went to the New Orleans Investment Conference is because most of those guys on display there are entrepreneurs, a lot of them in the precious metals, gold and silver and stuff like that. But I think people have to open their minds today to get out of the idea of stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and ETFs, and an IRA and those things because you're trapped. I, I think that if this stock market goes down, there's going to be bankruptcy after bankruptcy after bankruptcy. Yeah. And so that's why I speak and I write and I go with that because I don't know, you know, I'm going to interview Jim Rogers, one of the most famous investors of all times. He was, he was partners with Sol in the quantum fund. And he's saying right now he's going to stay as far away from millennials as possible. And he says, he says the reason for that is they don't know what it's like to be in a bad economy. Right. And he says those, they'll become dangerous. Mm-hmm. They said they think that you know, all they know is good economy. Mommy and daddy took care of them, all that. You know, they have safe rooms in school, and they all think the world owes them a living. But he says they're going to become the most dangerous people because they've never known what it's like to really have to think differently out of the box and scramble. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of stuff happening. I hope the crash doesn't come. And, you know, I mean, Facebook took me off, the, ticked me off. They kicked myself and records off, oh Jim's records, <laughs> because they say we want people to be happy. Yeah. Yes, I want people to be happy, too, but I don't want them wiped out financially. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's so that's why I write my books and I talk and I speak. It's not because I make that much money from my books, but I make a lot of money from real estate because I use debt and I pay no taxes. That's the secret to wealth, which is why the rich are getting richer. You don't work for money, you use debt for money, and you don't pay taxes. If you can do that, you're a smart dude. And so that's why I have my team like Kenny McElroy and all those guys and the real estate guys and their crews, that's where you get smarter. You don't get smarter about that in school. That's right. Again, I appreciate it very much. Again, the latest book is How the Rich Are Getting Richer. Uh, well, why? Why? Or, yeah, I'm sorry. Why the Rich Are Make Getting perfect. Richer. And, they didn't go to school. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's outstanding as you know, are all of Robert Kiyosaki's books. Make sure you pick up a copy, and we'll be right back. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. Now, welcome back to the show, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that discussion with Robert Kiyosaki. You know, this was a really big honor for me and an interview that I have been wanting to do for a long time. And it's not a coincidence that I timed the release of this episode on New Year's 2018. Now, New Year's is one of the times of the year when most people feel a little bit reflective. And that said, I can't think of a better time to read Robert's new book, Why the Rich Are Getting Richer, which he calls her the graduate level version of Cashflow Quadrant. 
you know, feel free to use my Amazon link in order to get this book. You simply go to wealthformula.com and go to the resources section. You'll also see a link to Cashflow Quadrant, which, which again, for me, was a transformative book. I mean, if I could give it any other plug, any better plug, I would. But it single-handedly, like, completely flipped a switch and changed my life. You know, Robert's writing style is very accessible, but his message is profound, right? I mean, you can read this. Uh, you can read his books and you you can be, you know, at a lot of different academic levels. But the message is really profound because there is simplicity in there that I think is probably inspired more millionaires than any modern business school. Every time Robert comes out with a new book, I devour it. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S. Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of the ultimate guide to passive real estate investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. And uh, again, I can't encourage you enough to get into this work. Anyway, that's it for me today on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession-resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Buck Joffrey here from Safe with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.